Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's the moment of the evening every K-State fan enjoys. Settle down and pour a whiskey, crack open a LaCroix. Please put your hands together and make a little noise for your favorite wildcatters, the handsome Bosco boys. Ooh, Bosco's boys. Come on, boys. Boom, the boys are back. And folks, we talked about it on Monday. And there is a massive game tonight as you guys are listening to this. I, di- I didn't think I was going to have an episode dropping on Wednesday because we're doing a little time traveling. I'm going to be at the K-State men's game on Tuesday evening, which is usually when I will record my Wednesday show. But there's a massive game in North or in Norman, Oklahoma. So I had a little time on Monday. I reached out to the GOATs. And I said, hey, I need you to come on to talk about K-State women's basketball. Now, I'm not talking about the Gap Goats. I'm talking about the voice of the Wildcats, Brian Smoller. I'm sure you're going to be able to hear him on K-State Radio Network and the K-State Sports app uh, on Wednesday. And then he's the man, professional as always, on play-by-play for the ESPN Plus games. Brian, I know you had to be freaking out a little bit with that close call on Saturday like I was. Uh, how was taking that game in right from courtside, and how do you keep your composure when you're on TV like that? Boy, it took it took some practice. Thanks for having me on. I, I will say that, um, and I get asked this a lot, both by fans and then also our own K-State coaches who are baffled by the fact that I'm not a blatant homer for our television broadcast. Uh, Part of it is you, you can pull. It's easier to pull back when you're doing TV. I don't know why. Just for me, because um, you're you're splitting time between watching the monitor and you're watching the game, and you kind of get more into the feel. You, you've talked to both teams, so you kind of have a feel for their stories as well. And and you're trying to you're trying to shoot it fifty percent because you're that's what ESPN would like and 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 do justice to the rest of the conference. So there's, I will tell you from from my standpoint, I always go at with. Uh, I love the Big 12. I, I've always had a chip on my shoulder when when the, all this schedule and conference realignment stuff came out a few years ago and it looked like the Big 12 was going to get left in the dust. And then we survived. Yes, we wear our K-State hat, but I also like wearing my Big 12 hat. And I take great pride in the conference. we got a lot of friends that work across the conference on, uh, behind the scenes on TV side, radio side. And so just you like puffing your chest out a little bit. You want to sell the Big 12 as much as possible. And even though at the end, uh, you know, in that game, especially BYU hit some shots, you're like, oh, it's just you're dying inside. You're also selling it because if it if they win, you want to have a good call that that it gives BYU a little momentum that goes national and it goes viral for them, right? I mean, you're trying to, yes, it would come at K State's expense and it would absolutely kill uh, K State, but it's good for BYU and it's good for the league. So that's kind of how I looked at it. Now, now again. Uh, our coaches don't always agree with it, and uh, they let me know about it. So, <laughs> you 
it is what it is. I get I get to live out my purple uh, tinted glasses on the on the radio side. Yeah, and I listened to the entire Baylor. Well, not the entire entire the uh, final three quarters of the Baylor game, the the radio broadcast. Uh, because FS1, uh, you know, I've actually heard a couple whispers about something going on in, in Baylor's new arena, making it tough for some TV broadcasts. But I listen to you, and, and if folks if folks want full unfeathered Brian emotion, hearing you on the road calling that game, that that sure was one of them. Um, I, I'll ask you this because th- there's a listener of this show, and he, he's the biggest uh k-state women's basketball fan i know his name is michael he he lives up in iowa he was at the game in iowa city uh he comes down for a bunch of games but he was tweeting after that baylor game that he said without aoka lee going on the road coming up with that comeback that win may have been the best k-state basketball win uh on the women's side maybe ever i i know that's a tall tall tale but in the scope of where this season is and, and how big that game was and everything at stake, how does that one stack up? It's up there. I, I don't know if it's ever. I mean, I can go back to the um, the improbable Big 12 championship year of, of 07-08. K-State had finished dead last the year before. Then they finished first, and they opened conference play with a road win, if I remember right, at a ranked Texas A&M. And then that backed it up on that same trip at a ranked Texas uh, that was the shitty Lenin group. They were all freshmen, young kids, and just you were they were like four and oh and had already won all their road south games before anybody could blink. I would say those take somewhat of a precedent because they were just out of left field. I, the Baylor game was big though, and it, for the reasons you just mentioned, without Lee, now you knew going in the matchup was good for K State because Baylor unlike years past, does not have a very strong post presence. They don't have a, a, a Brittany Griner or Kalani Brown, uh, Lauren Cox. Those are some pro players that are six, 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 seven, just huge bodies and dominant post players. They don't have that. They're much more of a WNBA-type team up and down, and those are the type of bodies, and it's not surprising because Nikki Collin, their head coach, came from the pros. They're a great basketball team. But matchup-wise against K-State, I think K-State matches up pretty well with them. And uh, it took a moment for K-State to kind of get their feet underneath them. But once they did, they settled into the game. And uh, I think K-State caught Baylor at the right time. They're struggling a little bit on the outside with their shot, and it just compounded on them. And K-State's defense is still good, even without Lee. I think you saw that in the BYU game down the stretch. And even though BYU hit some shots, uh, I think uh, their defense is what's carried them to this point. And they need it for a couple more games. And I'm kind of working back backwards chronologically because uh, I also want to touch on that KU win before we start looking at this Oklahoma game. Um, I was frantically texting you, DMing you on Twitter, trying to figure out, you know, what, what some of these rumors around Aoka Lee were going into that KU game. And I, I I don't think the crowd showed it at all, but there had to be a little bit of uh, nerves on the inside of the program. KU has knocked off some teams uh, this season. Here we are at borderline sellout crowd, and the All-American isn't going to be there. What what were the emotions like around the program leading into that Saturday, and, and how big was it to have that win, you know, fight KU off a little bit with a stick? They tried to make it a little feisty there in the fourth quarter in front of almost 10,000 fans, and, and what was uh, probably, not probably, it was the best women's basketball uh, I, atmosphere I've experienced in Bramlage. And I've been to, you know, close to 100 games, you know, from when I was a student to now as a 
alumni. It, it was magical in there. Yeah, it really reminded you of back in that stretch that I talked about before when when Deb was here and, and the team won the t- the Big Twelve title the early or the mid aughts, I guess if you want to call it. Uh, the UConn game was a sellout, but again, that game got buried so fast. You know, it, it really wasn't the same environment. And there's been other games where K State's pulled off some upsets, but they're usually not anticipated, right? There, you didn't have the crowd. This had everything. They, you know, a rivalry game on a weekend, not up against the men. Um, you know, and, and yeah, Lee, it was kind of a late breaking news in the week about Lee came out of left field, you know, knew she was dinged up, but nothing to that extreme. And then, and then you, yeah, you're going to the game. You're, you're wondering, as you said, rivalry game, this is a team on paper. KU was picked fifth in the league or fourth in the league. Many thought that they would vie for the championship. They've got everybody back from a WNIT winning team a year ago. And for whatever reason, it just hadn't clicked yet, but they pounded Baylor by almost 30 points in Lawrence. So you knew that they had it in them and K-State had a good plan to start. They got really fast. And I think it, it rocked KU a little bit that they came out as quick as they did. And the crowd was part of that. And there was just electric in there, as you said, and then Jackson went out their star center. And once that happened, then all bets were off. Now everybody's it's trying to figure out a game plan on the fly and it became kind of a, a war of attrition, physical game. K-State wins it at the end. I thought the crowd was awesome. And Jeff has mentioned it a few times. The best part of the crowd, and this is what you love about K-State basketball crowds, and it, it goes for the men's side too, they know when to cheer, right? And the, the best crowds are the ones that aren't just sitting on their hands waiting for the team to entertain them. They're there to help be a part of the action. And they – God, after like when KU started to make a run in the fourth quarter, they're getting loud and helping this team. And all of a sudden, Zy Walker hits a big shot, and here we go. And it's over. So uh, that was fun. It was a lot of fun watching that game and calling that game. And uh, proud of the team for the way they they battled through it. And, and another example of defense wins. So they able to lock down a team, a KU team that's one of the best offensive teams in the conference. All right, before we talk about the Oklahoma game, which will be tonight as folks are listening to it, I want to give a shout out to our friends over at Charlie Hustle. Shout out to Charlie Hustle raising all that money for Coaches versus Cancer and Jerome Tang winning the first ever Community Coach of the Year. K-State fans buying his shirt more than Missouri fans, Arkansas, KU, any of them buying their coach. So check out Charlie Hustle uh, today. If you cheer for the same professional sports team as I do, Hey, they might have a little bit of something special for the upcoming big game as well. And of course, the best looking, most comfortable, officially licensed K-State apparel in the game. All right, Brian, uh, Oklahoma had a weird season. You know, you go and look at their non-conference dropping, I think it was five games, four or five games in the non-conference. But then they get to Big 12 play and their only loss so far is versus K-State. It was in Bramlage. Uh, and they really sold out. This game, I believe, was on ESPNU. They sold out to stop uh, Aoka Lee, and uh, they did a pretty good job of it up until the fourth quarter. Uh, obviously, so much has changed from that first matchup. Still no Lee. Uh, first place in the Big 12 on the line. Granted, I think K-State would still be a half game up if it doesn't go our way. Um, but what are you anticipating down in Norman on Wednesday compared to that first matchup in Bramlage? Well, it's a tough place to play, as you said, even with their record being what it is. Uh, I mean, they're right into at home, unbeaten in league play. Um, they've had the benefit of, of a, a relatively weird conference schedule. The conference this year is obviously unbalanced because of the teams that uh, the amount of teams you have, 14. So some teams have a tougher schedule than others, and we can get into that if you want. But 
um, Oklahoma had the benefit of a, a relatively easy schedule in the first half. And I, I say easy, meaning, I mean, you never really know, right? I mean, West Virginia obviously has been way better than people thought. Same with Iowa State. But I think the only real games that, that stood out for Oklahoma in the first half were at, K, at K-State and at Texas, and they split those games. So they are very deserving of where they're at. They're playing hot since they lost in Manhattan. They've averaged over 75 points a game. They have defended very well, which has been always kind of their bugaboo. And oddly, they play all 10 players every game. And not you don't see that a lot on the women's side, um, especially. It's usually rotations are usually about five, six, or seven. That's it. Um, but Jenny Baranchek, they're all about quick shots. They want to get as many possessions as possible in a game. I mean, it's, think of like a – a football game where you want 80, 90 possessions. It's kind of the same idea in basketball with Oklahoma. They're not waiting a whole lot of time on the shot clock before putting a shot up. So this is where another matchup issue comes with K-State. K-State's trying to get them to play half court and slow them down with their defense and their length uh, and then go get the ball. And with Oklahoma, they're never out of a game and they're never uh, safely ahead in a game because of that that factor. They just can't hold the ball. So we'll see how it comes up on Wednesday. It's a huge game. I think even if K-State loses, they're still in good shape as as you look forward to the conference race. They got essentially a two-game lead, as you said, uh, on Oklahoma because they owe the tiebreaker right now. Um, But we'll see how it plays out down the stretch. K-State's been pretty balanced on toughness of their schedule. They still have a couple of tough ones coming up. Big week, clearly. But I like K-State's chances going in. We'll just see. They have to play better than they did Saturday for sure. Yeah, and someone who I, I think has stepped up uh, in Aoka Lee's absence, and really she's had a great year so far, uh, just kind of overshadowed. When you have the best player in college basketball, uh, you can take a back seat a little bit. But I, I feel like Serena Sundell, when you look at her stat sheet, it's not just the points, it's not just the assists, it's not just the rebounds, it's not just the steals. It's everything. You look up, look at the box score, and she's filling it up uh, left to right. Uh, how big is she going to be on Wednesday? You know, she had some uh, very bright moments versus Oklahoma, uh, but, you know, it's on the road. It, it's w- with a different, uh, you know, set of teammates going into that one. Is she going to be able to kind of keep keep things going hot uh, down in Norman? And uh, is it kind of like, okay, if she goes, maybe the team will go a little bit. No, I, I think you're dead on right there. Um, she's been unquestionably the the most talented, uh, best player on the floor for K-State and the the one that's holding it all together. Um, her line against BYU was fantastic. 14 points, eight assists, seven boards, four steals. I mean, that you'll take that every night and, um, you know, playing 39 minutes, low turnover numbers. I mean, she's fourth in the nation and that's just a turnover ratio, second in the Big 12. So um, uh, she's phenomenal and, and playing great. Uh, being able to very much balance that idea of, okay, I'm going to get my points if I need to score or um, have, you know, pass it off to somebody else. Now, the last time she played in Norman against Oklahoma, she dropped 33 on them. So, and it was kind of the same thing where she had Nevaeh Tot, the point guard for Oklahoma is 5-2. Serena's almost 6-2. So the K-State, I would imagine, and Oklahoma will be ready for it. I'm sure they're going to prepare it. K-State's going to probably try and post her up and, and get Serena downhill inside and try and get her to the free throw line. So uh, that that's a certain advantage for K-State. I think it's a student on your part. She's played great and is is playing at a first-team All-Big 12 level, even with a league that's littered with great guards. 
not only that, and, and I'm obviously biased, I, I think that she is maybe almost at a borderline All-American level. And if if she's needing to carry the the weight, uh, you know, longer than maybe we anticipate, she could find herself in the in that conversation. Uh, I want to move on to Gabby Gregory again. She's had an up and down year. She's dealing with so many different injuries, different small things, some larger things. I, I think her toughness is probably being lost to the average fan who's maybe not following game by game. But she had a nice little game versus her uh, former compatriots last season uh, and, and earlier this season as well. Um, where's her health at? Is she going to be able to grit through another game? Uh, with the normal sort of minutes, uh, you know, that she's accustomed to playing? And, uh, you know, does she have one of those, you know, out of nowhere 25-point games maybe waiting in her back pocket? Well, no one would want that more than Gabby uh, for this game, for sure, against Oklahoma. I mean, you would have to cut off her arms uh, to keep her out of this game, I would think. Uh, she's as tough as they come. I, I absolutely love Gabby Gregory. Um, there could not have been a better matchup. Uh, between her and Jeff Mitty. I mean, she is the epitome. Not that the others aren't, but she is just her sense of humor, her attitude, the way she goes about things. It's been great to watch her interact with Coach Mitty. They have a great relationship. She's the only one that I've ever witnessed that can talk back to him uh, or kind of yell back at him when he gets going in practice or in the game. And he's he just kind of like gives it back. They shout at each other, then they're fine. And they're like best friends. Um, there was a great moment. I think it was at the end of the half against KU where she blocked out, um, Jack's or some of uh, Samaya Nichols, uh, for a rebound. And the, but the ball fell between her and another K state player and KU ended up getting it. And coach, uh, Jeff's losing his mind and, and Gabby turns to him and says, but I blocked out, like you said, and she's kind of laughing and he starts cracking up and then they go at the buzzer sounds, they go to halftime and she runs over and like jumps on him and like hugging him. And he's starting to break down a little bit of, uh, you know, being mad to starting to laugh. So those are the player coach relationships that you don't see a whole lot, but um, you can tell that there is a lot of, uh, of, of love between a coach and a player there. And I think the team really wants to win this one for Gabby. They, they want to play well for her. And they want her to succeed. But as you said, it has just been a rough year. I mean, she's she's way more dinged up than she's letting on. I think uh, shoulder, wrist, ankles. Um, it happens. You know, sometimes you just have a season like that. But she's never going to complain. She's always in the right spot. She's always going to battle. And she's going to keep firing. And that's what they need her to do right now is keep firing until those shots go down. And hopefully more of, the, more of them go down against Nor in Norman. And uh, that would be great for her and her family, no doubt. All right, before we kind of wrap things up, uh, shout out to our sponsors, Manhattan Brewing Company. Look, if you need, need a little bit of libation before the game, grab a pint, grab a couple four-packs, grab a couple crowlers, then get home, get on ESPN+. Plus. Hell, they, they have almost every single game on in there as well. So just say, hey, big game, put it on, and take in the game down in Norman at Manhattan Brewing Company. Talk to your local liquor stores. They want to sell you beer. Manhattan Brewing Company wants to be there distributed by central states brewing so just be nice but be persistent tell your local craft uh your local liquor store excuse me that you want manhattan brewing company in their stores all right uh the two players who have had starring roles in the last two games eliza mopping down in waco and then back home versus byu giselle sanchez uh the spaniard uh both of them having absolutely massive games 
Is there one of those two uh, young women that you think matches up better with Oklahoma that fans should be dialed in on getting ready to watch? Or is it kind of dealer's choice? One of them's hopefully going to be hot and they're just going to ride the hot hand. What? Great question. Great question. Um, I would think on paper, Sanchez has the better chance uh, of continuing what she did the last time. And that's only because she's had a little more experience um, playing in big environments than Eliza has. Now, that said, Maupin's athleticism and quickness, we've always said that once she got it figured out, like you kind of hope the Baylor game was the start of it. But once she figured out just how good she can be, and you know what kind of commitment that takes to, in, from the work side of it. Not saying she's not a hard worker, but just it's a whole nother level, right? And once you figure it out, I mean, you talk to Travis Kelsey, he'll tell you, like, I was an idiot when I was first starting. I didn't realize what it took for me to work to get to that point. And Eliza, when you're a young player, Denver played AAU ball, you don't know how good you are. And you don't know just sh- the sky's the limit for her. And once that clicks, and I, I think she's very close – once that clicks, she'll be virtually unstoppable down low. Um, and and we'll just understand the game. The game will slow down for her, and she'll be even faster. So, But as you look at this matchup, Oklahoma doesn't have a center. They don't really play. They play with a, a, a power forward at the center spot, and Peyton Verholz, who's from Kansas City, former top 10 kid that went to Louisville <laughs> like the others and transferred out. Um, so – Matchup wise, it, it she's much like Gisela. So I think Sanchez has the ability here to to continue. And I would imagine she would start. But Jeff Mitty, one thing that is one thing that's so great about him and his coaching style, he is not afraid to change. He is not afraid to adjust on the fly and change it up. I mean, they played a five-out offense all last year without Yoki. They've gone back to something similar this year. So they will they will rotate and pivot quickly if, if it's uh you know, somebody else, even though Monty Lester or Heavenly Greer, that's having a better day than than those two. But it'll be my guess would be Sanchez first and then let, uh, mop in to follow. Obviously, big one on Wednesday, then again on the road Saturday at Texas. Um, this has to be when Jeff Mitty was grinding, you know, in the summer, getting this team ready, when these women were in condition, when they're doing shoot arounds. This has to be kind of the stretch they all dreamed of, even though you are down your star player. Number two in the country in both the coaches and the AP poll. Uh, controlling your own destiny in, you know, one of the two or three best conferences in America. Being able to look at, you know, bracketology and say, hey, we should be hosting. I, I know that it's you got to block out the noise. I know that's what Jeff Mitty is preaching, but you have to be thinking this is what we dreamed of. This is what you come to K-State for. How massive is this two-game stretch going to be? And, you know, they have to be just over the moon hyped to to show out for these next two games, right? You would hope so. Uh, I, I don't think there's any doubt that this team is is very good about staying in the moment and staying focused, not letting outside noise in, good or bad. They talk a lot about it. I mean, they really talk about it. Uh, you know, just, hey – they dress the elephant in the room. It's not a, hey, we'll just never talk about it. No one knows. No, they totally get that those kids are looking at social media and they get it from everybody. They get it from their parents, their coach, AAU coach, handlers, whatever. So uh, the hard part is, is that this is already the part of the season. I think Coach Tang has talked about this before as well, that this is the part of the basketball season, the last week of January, first two weeks of February, 
or it is the grind of a basketball season. You're beyond the amount of games that you would have played in high school. You can't see the light at the end of the tunnel yet about postseason. And it's just a slog trying to get through the nation's best conference on the men's side and the nation's second best conference on the women's side. And now you're going to try and do that without your star player, Ayoka Lee. And you're going to try and do it with three of the next four games are on the road, all against contenders. You're at Oklahoma, at Texas, home Oklahoma State has played very well, and then at Iowa State. And that's all before Yoki conceivably comes back. That Iowa State game is an if, you know, up in the air. So not only are you in the, the grind of your season, but now you're doing it without Lee, and you're probably in your toughest stretch of games possible. So you're asking me, are they hyped for it? Absolutely. Uh, I think you go into it with eyes wide open, though. Uh, you know, if you're K-State, you're sitting at you, – you could not have started any better than you are. 20-1, and 9-0. and 0. If you can get through this stretch, let's say it's 2-2. Two and 3-1 two. and one would be unbelievable. 4-0 and oh would be uh, – you know, at that point, you're all bets are off, right? But if you get 2-2 two and two out of this, you split this stretch, I think you're feeling still pretty good about your shot at the Big 12 title because of how, who else everybody else has to play and what K-State has the rest of the way after that. It's not necessarily wins guaranteed, but you would think with Lee returning at that point, they're going to have a pretty good shot of being favored in every game from that point on. So if you can come out of this stretch with only two conference losses, they're still in a very good position for not only uh, a Big 12 championship, but hosting the first second round of the NCAA tournament. We'll end with this. Uh, it sounds like at least what, what Jeff Mitty has said in public that Aoka Lee's recovery is, is about uh, as on track and, and going as well as we could hope. Uh, I know the initial hope was that Valentine's game up in Ames, Iowa. Uh, would, would it be fair to call that kind of a coin flip and anything after that's probably the realistic goal? Or what, what are we thinking of getting Aoka back? Yeah, I, I would think so. I mean, Iowa State – you would hate to go up there and play them without Lee only because Audie Crooks, a true freshman center for Iowa state is really playing well. She uh, former shot put champion in the state of Iowa. She she's now she's a, a big body. I mean, she's uh, tall and wide. It's tough. You know, she's made it really hard on, she's the big 12 freshman of the week this week, big 12 co-player of the week last week. She's played very well from the get go. So uh, not having a post presence like Ayoka against crooks would be difficult but that's also a hard hard task if she's not 100 percent, right you don't want to throw her in uh and go bang inside against someone like crooks uh, then again she hurt herself against ucf and that's the team you play in the game after iowa state so uh, so then it's like well are right, you going to save her for ucf and maybe get hurt again i don't know because that was a physical game so so the uh, initial but, talks was that she actually got hurt uh was it UCF? Is it, are, are you saying that she actually got hurt two games before Texas? Yeah. Yeah. That it is was actually wild. UCF. <laughs> oh, yeah. my God. And I, and She's I just found insane. That out. Yeah, I just found that out here last week. Coach Minnie made that announcement uh, on the, on this radio show that it was, uh, yeah, that it was the UCF game in Orlando that she actually I thought it was Oklahoma. Oh my. I did, too, and that's what everybody else thought. And um, come to find out it was actually UCF, and she played on that ankle – uh, and it's it's above the ankle, right? It's not yeah. on the on your leg, on the outside of your leg. Uh, she played on it um, against Oklahoma and Texas, and just you know was sore. Um, but it just shows you how tough she's she's been going through stuff. So listen, I I, I would hope that she's back for Iowa State. I don't want to commit to it. 
I, you know, no one said anything to me. Obviously, I'm just the dumb radio guy. But the at the end, you hope that that she is in that game because that is a matchup that would be great. Lee versus Crooks, veteran against the rookie, Hilt Magic, all that stuff, right? Um, and they're as tough to beat in on the women's side as they are on the men's side. So that'll be a big one, no doubt. Well, Brian, thank you so much for all your time. We're getting pretty close where I'm going to have to get you on for a Bat Cats preview as well. Three first team All Big 12 guys, preseason All American. And did I see Tyson Neighbors? Was it a national preseason pitcher of the year award that he just had as well? Uh, he's been named All American. It'll be, I think it'll be close to consensus All American. He's been Man. named preseason All American by a bunch of places. He was the Big 12 pitcher of the year by D1 Baseball. So they were uh, picking him for, but it, very excited, very excited for the baseball team. I actually will go with them to Arizona for their opening weekend tournament. It's the MLB Desert Invitational. They'll take on Cal, who's going to be pretty good at the Pac-12. They'll be a potential regional team. Boston College has been in a regional the last two years. And then a Georgetown team that's kind of on the rise. And then they'll play Arizona State. Uh, on Tuesday. So we'll do those four games. Um, I'll actually uh, miss the women's basketball game against UCF to go out to Arizona for that one, for that tournament, but very excited for Pete Hughes and that group. They're chomping at the bit. This uh, recent spate of warm weather has helped them. They're, they've been outside getting ready and it's pretty nice to walk outside and hear pings of the bat that gets you pumped for baseball. I bet. And, and I, you know, I'm, I'm sure they're much more emotionally uh, sound than I am, but, but if I were in their shoes, I'd, I'd have revenge tour on my mind after a couple snubs by the selection committee, but I, I'm excited for it. So we'll get you on whether or not it's before those uh, opening games or maybe shortly after uh, going to try to do a better job of, of going all in on the back cats coverage this year. So Brian, thank you so much for your time this Monday afternoon, safe travels to Norman. And, and hopefully we're coming away with a big dub and uh, getting ready. I believe it's Fox sports one or is it Fox Sunday uh, with Texas. So it's one of their women's basketball showcase games, I believe. Uh Oh, you might've just froze. Well, Brian froze, uh, but everyone, thank you so much for listening. Uh, be sure to tune in tonight on ESPN Plus as K-State takes on Oklahoma. And then again, Sunday, it's on one of the Fox networks. Uh, so that's all we have. Oh, are you back? I see you blinking. Okay, there we go. Is it Fox or Fox Sports 1 on Sunday? It is. It's uh, a great question. Fox Sports 1. There we go. One of their great women's basketball showcases on Sunday. So uh, if you want to hear Brian, uh, K-State Radio Network and the K-State Sports app. Uh, so for Brian, the best play-by-play man in the world. For Chauncey, the best dog in the world. My name is Scott McFarland. We love you guys and go Cats. Hail to the purple. Hail to the white. Wildcat in spirit, wildcat in fight. Hail alma mater from sea to sea. Onward forever, hail victory. Ba-dum, 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 ba-dum. Fight, UK State Wildcats for Alma mater fights, glory in the combat for the purple and the white, faithful to our cause.
fighting, ever fighting for a wildcat victory. Fight, 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 fight. We can't save wildcats for alma mater. Fight, 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 fight. Glory in the combat for the purple and the white. Faithful to our colors, we will ever be. Podcast Network.